Oh my goodness, how are y'all doing on this fine Tuesday, or whenever you're listening to this really. My name is Chris, I'm your host for the 300 and IMT FanCast, and welcome back into the second episode of the FanCast, where we are covering IMT's epic victory over TSM on Sunday, July the 24th, week 5, day 2 of the summer 2022 LCS season. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, no matter where you're listening, please make sure to interact with us on Twitter or on Discord and any of the communities that we are a part of. We'd really appreciate any and all support on the show. But let's just jump straight into it. It was a great Sunday. Uh, IMT got the dub against TSM and also helping us out. C9 got a dub against Golden Guardians, which will talk about a little bit later in terms of the playoff implications that that brings for us but on the first hand the first notion what a win from the boys in 30 minutes and 47 seconds immortals have taken down team solomon now dsm obviously struggling a little bit this split they've made more roster changes than i think anybody can actually count on one hand but this new tsm lineup was looking to be like serious playoff contenders i know top eight in the 10 team league whatever but they seem to be the ones that were going to gatekeep a team like immortals or dignitas from actually making the playoffs but with this game i think that we've got a really good shot i saw a lot of really great stuff from the team and it all starts in the draft so let's just break it down step by step why don't we in the beginning of the draft with the first round of bands imt bans out the talia the silas and the young all three of them i think are fantastic bands uh, maple is really deadly on the silas speaker obviously can play the talia really well but it was probably a maple ban as well and then the young could have either gone top for soul or could have been played in the mid lane for maple so really if you want to look at it a certain way, you could have looked at this as three maple bans, and I have no problem with that. You're banning out their best player, who's clear, who's by far their best player. He's one of the most established players on their team, other than their coach, Hooney, who just recently moved into that role from the playing position, because unfortunately he's having problems with his hands. Hopefully he recovers um, quickly and uh, he can get back to playing sometime again in the future, unless he really enjoys coaching. That would be awesome as well. But by throwing three bands at Maple, you're effectively taking out their best asset in the game and their biggest win condition, which I think was a great move by the coaching staff. But on the other side, TSM also kind of did the same thing, except he was he's not our best player, but he is our mid laner by banning out two of Power of Evil's best champions, the Azir and the Orianna. This is the second game in a row that the Orianna's been banned, so I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but we all know how good PoE's Orianna actually is, and I would have really liked to see it on Saturday in that game, which I talked about on the show in the first episode. Uh, and unfortunately, he didn't get to play because it was banned against him. But here it is in the second game in a row getting banned, unfortunately, because I think that it would have also fit really well in the comp. But when we look over at the picks with the third pick or technically the, the fifth pick overall, the third pick for IMT, they take the Cassiopeia. Now, it was kind of a shock because Cassio hasn't been super meta for a little while, but for PoE, it always makes sense for him to pick a, a control mage. Even if it's not a control mage meta, he's going to play them and he's going to play them incredibly well. 
He was up 400 gold on Kenby at 10 minutes. He was incredibly effective in lane and then also later in the game with the Miasma being able to control specific areas of the map, certain choke points like going into Baron fights or into the river, into the bottom river. And it was really great to see him finally get on another mage pick and still and perform really well like he always has been able to. Um, Lost Callista was the third ban of the first rotation for TSM, and that's completely understandable. Loss has been performing very, very well on the Callista, even in losses. Uh, he performed pretty well on it on Saturday, and I, I made the comment there as well that, you know, he just needed that little extra damage to get over the top, and it felt like he would have been able to flip a lot of the fights and really change the game on Saturday. TSM paying respect to that, obviously, with the ban, uh, which makes sense to me, and then we ended up going with the Seraphine for loss, which I think was a, another fantastic pick from the coaching staff. It really enabled him to have a stable uh, lane state and to um, go even with with instinct and really be able to contain him, which I actually mentioned on Twitter and in the last episode as one of my few keys to the game for our beloved immortals to take the W, which we ended up doing. I, I know I've mentioned it several times. Now. I'm just so stinking excited. This was a, a great game and a great win top to bottom. Quite literally, uh, Revenge getting the Aatrox on the third rotation of picks. Um, he performed fantastically. Oh my goodness, we'll get we'll talk about a certain play here in a couple minutes. But he performed extremely well in lane. He uh, stayed up in CS on his opponent, the Nar, for pretty much the entirety of the lane. He ended up going down about 300 gold around the 10 minute mark, but then he got a early Rift Herald to really accelerate him in the lane, which ended up working out really well. The biggest thing for IMT that we did in this game was that we enabled Kenby to play Trundle. Picked Trundle on the second um, blue side pick right before the Cassiopeia was taken, and I think that Kenby really, really performed incredibly well on the Trundle. He didn't build a tank because there were plenty of tanky stats to take from the other team with uh, TSM going with the Poppy and the Swain on their first rotation of picks on the right side, um, which made it really, really easy for Kenby to decide what build he wanted to index into because stealing the stats from the Poppy or the Swain really allows you to um, go for that more damage heavy build rather than just building tank. He did build an Athemus Changer that I thought was a really great idea, especially against the really uh, TSM's only one damage dealer in the Zeri, which they picked on the third pick of their first rotation. With TSM's comp, the way that it ended up rounding out, they really were kind of putting all their eggs in the Zeri basket and Instinct is that kind of guy. If he gets enabled well enough and he gets played around well enough, he can definitely carry through team fights and really provide a solid win condition for your team. But in this game, it just did not work out. IMT, we rounded out our comp with a Yumi and a Lulu ban for our last two bans. And then TSM, seeing that we hadn't picked our top laner yet, rounded out their bans with the Fiora and the Camille ban, both very valid bans towards Revenge, who plays the Fiora incredibly well. Um, and then the Camille too, well to an extent, but not nearly as well as the Fiora or something like a uh, Irelia. So I can understand why they would ban those two champions out. And then they went ahead and picked the Gnar blind. They didn't actually, they didn't let Instinct, or they didn't let Soul have counterpick. They just straight up picked the Gnar and they gave counterpick to Chime, who ended up playing the Alistar, whereas Ignar played the Amumu. The Amumu was also incredibly key in this game. Ignar had several great engages to lock down large chunks of the TSM front line, so that way that the team could jump onto uh, Instinct on the Zeri, and they were able to lock him down and effectively take him out of the game. But overall from draft, I really like the early game focus again. I think that one of the biggest keys to the to our success is going to be creating gold leads early to prevent a lot of teams who'd like to play slower, more scaling type of games. 
teams like Team Liquid, who they did that to us very effectively on Saturday. 100 Thieves sometimes, but a lot of times they also like to play really aggressive in the early game. Uh, and then EG also plays pretty aggressive, but really it's the it's the TL concern when they like to play really long, really scaling comps. And it's great to see us perform so well on such an early game heavy and focused team composition. And so from the draft, we're going to move into some of the takeaways from the game, my reactions to the game. So super early on with our early game focus comp, Kenvi went for the biggest level two gank of his young LCS career. He goes bot, he effect, he gets the trundle pillar off, blows two flashes, and still gets a kill onto instinct, and he puts him ahead with his own burst of blood. Kenby gets the first blood and he goes down a little bit in XP to Spica, but the gold was absolutely massive. Um, and that was exactly the early game pressure that we needed. Not only did it set can be ahead in gold of Spica, but it also set up a really safe lane for Loss and Ignar to play in to allow them to scale for the late game. Loss playing the Seraphine, all he wants to do in the late game is just provide stuns and heals for the team. And he did that incredibly well. On the opposite side of the map, Revenge was playing incredibly well in his lane. He stayed up in CS and maintained priority pretty consistently, which allowed for an incredibly early Herald, which then was used to accelerate his lane by knocking down the turret right before um, armor plates went down. Got him a crap ton of gold, put him super far ahead of the Gnar, and then Revenger's in a really great spot to carry portions of the late early game and then into the mid game. And this is all amazing and it's such a, it's so great that they made this this change in this proactive mindset after just one game. The game against TL, this is what they wanted to do, but they just couldn't quite get it done. There were multiple points where um, it seemed like Kenby wanted to make a gank or he wanted to go for a certain play. And PoE actually brought it up in his post-game interview after the game versus TL that um, IMT posted on their Twitter page, where he said that they should have gone for the first Herald and that that would have gave them the gold lead that they needed to accelerate the game and uh, put, put them ahead of TL enough to close it out. And in this game, we got the first Herald and it put Revenge super far ahead of the NAR and it was, in it was incredibly effective. Another great takeaway from this game is that there was really great decision making in a lot of fights. They didn't overforce the issue in a lot of instances, meaning that, you know, there are a lot of times where you're watching a game and a team, any team really, almost every single team does this in one of their games or most of their games, depending on how good the team is. But a lot of times this year, it's felt like we've gone into like enemy jungle and we've seen a player or a champion or whatever and we just get so fixated on the fact that we've seen them and then we don't consider anything else and we just go in on them and then even if we see another person show up we just keep going and just don't let up on the gas pedal when there are other things on the map to play for in this game there were a few different instances where we respectfully we respected the enemy's strength and disengaged from fights that were not advantageous to us for example at the second dragon fight Ignar hooks into Chime on the Alley Star and he pops his ult, but then he just he flashes away because he sees three more TSM members show up, and rather than trying to fight it out with the team because they were five strong there, they didn't have vision control and they would have been going into a fight completely blind. So Chime made the great decision to flash away. They pull back and then they actually chunked out. Um, sorry, 
Ignore made the great decision to flash away, and they actually chunked out Chimes so much that TSM was not able to go for that second dragon. And they were forced off of it, and then we were able to get it um, really early on, and it was great for the dragon stacking win condition as well. There's also a great cross map play to deny TSM a mid turret at 19 minutes. Unfortunately, there weren't any kills. We also had to expend a TP, but we did save Ignar's life and also Kenby's life from uh, being taken along with saving the mid turret, the mid tier one. And if TSM had gotten that turret, they would have gotten a little bit of positive momentum and they definitely were playing a better scaling comp. So it might have given them enough to try and make the game a little bit more even. But another great example of getting to that play after taking the bot tier one turret as well. And also at minute 25, they did not force for the inhib and incited to, and then instead decided to go and just take the dragon for an easy soul point. They got all the way through the inhibitor turret and then they just decided to go for the dragon instead of trying to force the issue and take a fight that they shouldn't have because they could have forced a fight and they might have gone even or they would have uh, gone minus one so they would have traded like two for three, which would not have been good at all. I mean, when you're winning a game, the last thing you want to do is take even fights or um, take losing fights and just give the other team free gold, especially when so many players had shut shutdowns on them. So it was really great to see the restraint in the team fights and then the shot calling and making better decisions overall when deciding which fights to go for and which fights to kind of hang back on a little bit and not go all in for. And with these with mentioning fighting, it is impossible to ignore Revenge's absolute pop-off after the second Herald fight. Oh my goodness. So just to paint the picture for you, I'm sure that you've seen it on Twitter, but TSM is pushing into the topside river and uh, Kenby gets booted out by the poppy. So this means that they have to disengage from taking Herald because they don't have smite secure and there's not enough HP to go for the, uh, the eye of the Herald. So TSM ends up taking the Herald and they start pushing into blue side jungle, our jungle, and they all pile on top of um, on top of Revenge. And it's looking absolutely terrible. He gets full Gnar chain CC'd, and then he also gets Ali Star CC'd. But he has Gore Drinker super early because of the early Herald gulp. He had Gore Drinker, and I believe that he had two components of his second item and tier two boots. I believe that that's what he had. And so what he's able to do is he's able to pop Gore Drinker, get almost full HP, and then Q3 combo the their entire team through his ult in order to regen his entire health bar, and they end up winning the fight. They I think they go four for O, and uh, Revenge gets two kills and two assists. I believe that that was the total. I might be a little bit off on the uh, assist and kill numbers for Revenge. But this was absolutely bonkers after that fight the gold lead ballooned to 4k at 16 minutes and that 4k gold lead at 16 that's what we were looking for against tl that's the kind of lead that we needed in order to pull off such an early game comp and a fight like that just helps out tremendously there was another great call where they went for baron at the 22nd minute they were able to sneak it with basically no contest uh speaker unfortunately was not well, unfortunately for speaker for, very fortunately for us uh, Speaker was not able to hit any poppy hammers at all on our entire team, which was fantastic because then we just had five members inside of the Baron pit. And then that ballooned the cold lead to 7k and almost 8,000 gold at 22 minutes. And the game was basically over at that point. There was another Baron that we got that we took later in the game, probably I think around the 27 minute mark, and the game was completely over. After that, there was a team fight near the dragon, which was incredibly well played, and uh, that secured us the win. 
So from top to bottom, it really felt like the communication in this game was a lot better and that they were able to more effectively create and then extend an early gold lead that led to us just snowballing out of control and ending the game well before TSM could get back on their feet and actually try and contest us. This kind of game makes me incredibly optimistic for where this team can go. They've already gone one and one over the past two weekends, losing against some very good teams and also winning against a pretty decent team in C9. Obviously their current form notwithstanding, if you just look at the names on their roster, I mean, they're very capable, very good team. And so I think that we have an excellent shot of not only making the playoffs, maybe, maybe even winning a series. I know that's super optimistic and everything, but I'm just an optimistic kind of person. So with that win, we move to three and eight and we tie with TSM for eighth. And we're one game off of GG's uh, for who are four and seven because on Sunday, they blew a 7K gold lead to lose to C9. I actually tweeted that um, I would really wish for a, I'm really hoping for a C9 win because that would be better for us in the standings and for the playoff race. And actually got featured on a, on the LCS broadcast, so that was fun. Um, but ended up happening and which was really really good and I think we've got a lot of positive momentum going for us after two back-to-back -back, after back-to-back -back, uh, One in one weeks which sounds kind of crazy for a lot of teams But hey for us after such a terrible start to the split This is great to see it feels like the team is really starting to gel and that they're trying to figure out more Their identity as a group rather than just five individual players, which is beautiful to see and that's gonna wrap up the league portion of this podcast uh, episode but i also want to give a shout out to the people on twitter who have been following the the show and i really appreciate you guys following the the, the podcast in general uh immortals the official organization twitter page followed um the show's twitter page which i really appreciate that's super cool that you'd be willing to show support to me and this project that i want to create um just to spread a little bit of positivity and talk about my favorite team in the league there are a lot of different teams that already have their own fan casts and podcasts, and I just want to be able to add a little bit to that and um, hopefully create something that's a little bit fun and exciting and brings a little bit of excitement to a fan base that hasn't really gotten to see a ton in the last year. But with that, I'm going to have to sign off for today. Tomorrow is Wednesday, so that means it's an Academy Day. I believe that we are playing some pretty great teams this week. Hold on, let's look it up here real quick. I forget off the top of my head who we're playing. Yes, we're playing FlyQuest and TSM. That's right, I forgot we were playing TSM. So we have a chance to go 4-0 against TSM this week, uh, or 3-0, which would be pretty amazing. And then uh, the games against FlyQuest will also be tough. I'm gonna see if I can do some recaps and reactions to either both sets of games or both sets of games in one episode. I'm a little bit busy this week, which is why this episode is coming out late. But I really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a fantastic day, whatever time of day it is, whatever day it is. I love y'all. I'm out. Peace.